0: Welcome back guys um, I'm Simon and he's Jamie Hello And this is another sh- edition of the Gage Podcast um, And joining us this week is uh, Rick from Six 66 For yet another episode Woo! hi guys Hello And what you haven't heard is the other two previous before this to get to that point But never mind
1: <laughs> We got there
0: Eventually yeah. um, It was a this- long road <laughs> Getting from there to Yeah. <laughs> and kind of on that note we are talking about the defining moments in Star Trek history and whatever we can come up with as so I'm sure here and that you've probably gone that, 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 and that. And yes, we will be doing that, that, and that. Yeah. And lots more. Yeah. yeah. Okay, A-B-N-C. I've got this this X-Y-Z. and this, is that okay? Yeah. Yes.
1: A, okay. B, and C, X1s, Z. Yeah.
2: And everything in between. <laughs> We've accidentally yeah. written a Michael Jackson song. We
1: have. <laughs> There you go, another defining moment of Star Trek. <laughs> in a, in poc, in a, in a, in podcast. <laughs> yeah, but when we when we talk about defining moments, we're talking about not just obviously within, like say within episodes, or or famous episodes, or, or whatever, but also just generally overall. So anything and everything that you can think of. So yeah.
0: Where do we want to start? Because we could start at the beginning. We could start <laughs> with strings the mind. Uh,
2: well, I have my stuff in in in. Series order, but uh, I think I'd
0: think nothing less, Rick. I really wouldn't. Fry <laughs>
2: away. Um, okay, I I kind of well, I went by by episodes, I was looking at, at more of a, a, a bigger picture. Um, but at least especially with TOS, I think that that
0: uh, there's a bunch in that. It, that you can...
2: Yeah, I, I had I actually had to, had to kind of hold back because um, we do an entire episode on, on just TOS for this. Um, but I, I, I think the starting place, the place where uh, Star Trek really started to become Star Trek in my opinion, uh, is the Corbomite Maneuver uh, yeah. where you have things like like uh, Kirk's telling Bailey, you know keep your bigotry in your, in your quarters there's no room for it on my bridge um, we've got Sulu counting down everything and anything uh, we've got McCoy at Kirk. Uh, is that the one? Is that the first time we see him making a drink for Kirk?
0: Um, wouldn't surprise me. I think so. <laughs> yeah. The first episode, so it wouldn't surprise me. It's just like counting down episodes before the drink comes out. I think it's just like... <laughs> that's again. Would... It's it's like counting down episodes that like shirts ripped or women slept with. It. It's just like yeah.
2: <laughs> now, remind me how how familiar with TOS are you guys?
1: Pretty familiar. Yeah, pretty familiar. I mean, okay. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it all the way through in, in some time, but fairly familiar.
2: Okay, cool. I, I forget who's watched what over <laughs> over the years. Um,
1: yeah. And since I, y'all are
2: younguns, usually, uh,
1: <laughs> I, I, I actually must admit I have been meaning to go back to watch through the original series because it has been, I think, a couple of years at least. So I have been meaning to go back to it. So if anything, I think this episode will be a good motivator to be honest with you. So, <laughs> and
2: and it also sets up. Uh, and this is this is kind of a, a a theme that I really love about Star Trek, the things aren't what you expect them to be, you know, the the bad guy isn't always the bad guy, the the He's monster alien is <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the monster alien isn't always a monster, um, the See dire, s- yeah. Clint Howard, who, who is went on still to going do strong,
0: numerous things in Star Trek, Frenchie, <laughs> and this and that. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. I actually remember watching the Corbinite Night* maneuver, and not and, and said just the fact that he was a baby was just like I was just like okay, very surprised. I was like I wasn't expecting that, <laughs> but I think that's a great thing. He did it's something that's completely unexpected that you know you. Because you have you have stuff like that you have set in your mind certain things you, you expect it to be, and then when they kind of do so so far out left out of field, it's kind of like definitely didn't see that coming. So yeah, I definitely think kind of that episode as a whole definitely I would definitely say it's definitely one of the defining moments of Star Trek. I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think one of the ones I've um, I'm also thinking not so much in terms of episodes, but in terms of just generally. I think. When they kind of re-syndicated the original series. Because obviously when it aired, the show wasn't ad- wasn't really that well known. It wasn't until they kind of started re-syndicating it in, in, in the early seventies when the franchise really picked up and got really popular. So
2: Well, that's that's yes and no. Um oh, good, you know, to know the,
1: half, <laughs> good to know I'm half right then.
2: Yes, <laughs> yeah, you're you're not you're not completely wrong, but the show oh. was not as Obscure in its initial run, as legend has it. Um, you know, there were there was a a growing, well, well. And this the, okay. Here's the problem. Uh, and Major Barrett is talked, I've heard several several different people talk about it. Um, so a lot of it's it's not not all like retconning history. Um, the way they they interpreted Nielsen ratings at the time didn't didn't factor in demographics. So they were just looking at raw numbers. Uh, and that's why Star Trek wasn't doing well and why people thought nobody was watching it. But just after it got canceled is when people, the, the science of demographics really came into power in the television industry. And suddenly went, holy crap, all of these people, you know, between 18 and 25, the, the, the 18 to 25-year-old men, which that's always been the power graphic as far as marketing is concerned, Um are watching the hell out of this show and we just yanked away something that could have made us a fortune yeah because
1: um. you, you, you've also got to think as well with when season two finished it was originally going to be cancelled but you know the fact that you managed to get a third season well surely it must have been making some kind of impact and i think that's the thing about ratings ratings are very iffy because they as, as you said they don't take into account everything yeah. and that's the problem you know so you know you think Oh, you think a show oh, these ratings have dropped to say, I don't know, five million, but in actuality, you probably got a few more million people watching. But because the the way they kind of they they measure ratings, it's it, it's very specific. Yep. They don't take into account everything. So yeah, yeah, I can certainly see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, as you were saying, um, at the time, it seems like maybe it just said the general consensus is oh, not a lot of people watching. But as you said. It, there probably were more people watching than we than we realize.
2: Mm-hmm. However, you 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 are not incorrect in that it was syndication that if if they hadn't syndicated Star Trek, if they hadn't put it out on the local channels uh, for folks who may not be familiar with what syndication means, um, I don't think we'd be talking about it today. Oh, Great, yeah. I, you know, I w- you, well, you guys weren't even a glimmer in your folks' eyes when <laughs> the show was on, and I was born in '64, and the show premiered in '66, so I wasn't watching the first run either. Um, you know, I remember watching it on a fuzzy little 13 inch black and white TV when I got home from school and went to the babysitter's. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I would never have seen Star Trek if it wasn't for for syndication and. That took the the networks and and the corporations you know by totally by surprise because they'd never seen that sort of popularity in a syndicated show before
1: yeah, I mean and that's also kind of reflective I think was it I think the first star Trek convention they ever did uh, they were only expecting like five hundred people and over three thousand attended. Yeah. so they like said they were completely caught by surprise, yeah because mm. I mean my dad, he um he was born in fifty three um and he he actually he actually he actually talked about coming home from school and watching. Actually, when it first actually came on, came on when they were actually were airing it. Um, so yeah, he's been, he's been, and he said he said kind of say similar to me, kind of yeah, if it wasn't kind of for syndication, it, it would never, it would never have happened. But he said we wouldn't be here talking about Star Trek today. So I, I said I think definitely that kind of, that syndication is I said, definitely a, a defining moment in the franchise. I said cause wouldn't have probably had a lot that followed on from that. Whether it would have been said the, the original series, movies, and all and all the other series that came after it, probably. So, yeah. So, um, what about you, Sye? Si? What have you got? Anything from the original series? It's probably a silly um, question. I'm sure you probably have. The most
0: obvious, the interracial kiss, and it's moving to season three.
1: No, it's fine. You said, yeah, absolutely.
0: It's one of the first interracial kisses on uh, television anywhere. I'm not sure it was in America or wherever, but it's one of the first and it's quite iconic.
1: Yeah, because... Uh, is, is it actually the first interracial kiss ever or is it one it's of the... It's a bit
0: convoluted with them, but yeah. I would like to say at least it's one of the first. I think that's something you clearly go around, you can say it is on, rather than going, it's the first. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if it was or not. Might what, what
2: I've been able to discern is it was it was the first on American television. There had been previous ones on... on uh, Canadian, I believe. Okay, so, uh, yeah. or may- maybe even over there with you all. Um, but well, for be. for America, for the United States, it was it was a first.
0: And I love the story behind it with kind of uh, Will Shatner kind of crossing his eyes to try and mm-hmm. get the other one canned, and that being forced through. I thought that was quite a clever way of uh, making sure it aired. Have
2: you yeah. have you mentioned that to your viewer your viewers <laughs> your listeners? <laughs> um, do they know what we're talking about?
0: Uh, it should be. I should know. I hope.
2: <laughs> if you all did not do your reading, then that's not our fault.
0: <laughs> so let's clarify. The was it the production team kind of said to him, no, we want one without, one with." No, actually, no. They were very against the kiss one, weren't they?
2: It, well, yeah. it was. It was the. It was the censors. It was uh, practices and sta- standards and practices. People were saying that if if the interracial kiss happens on screen they'll lose the southern market and so they got uh, Roddenberry to concede to doing one take where they kiss and one take where they don't and for every take they did where they (laughs) didn't kiss Shatner did something to screw up the shot so they couldn't use it
0: thank you Rick for clarification my pleasure (laughs) (laughs) a lot clearer than I would have done it I think so
1: (laughs) a resident Star (laughs) Trek (laughs) guru yeah, um I definitely again, yeah, interracial, interracial kiss, yeah, definitely said one of the defining moments. I mean Absolutely. You could probably even ask non Star Trek fans what and they'll that's probably one they would they would have heard of at least. And so.
0: That's the thing, it kinda of refers back to what James was on about. That wouldn't have happened unless season three had happened. So that that's partly answer the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah. Well, and, we're, we're
0: and, all thinking it God, awful episode, but great that thing happened yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: okay yeah Plato's Stepchildren isn't one of the best that's for sure uh, yeah. um, I, I think season 3 gets more flack than it deserves yeah. there's still some really good great. stuff in season 3 there is some really crap stuff in season 3 too But
1: uh, Simon um, sums it up perfectly season 3 really interesting a season has got really interesting ideas but just done really badly
2: well, like one of the things I wanted to bring up, if if, if that's cool, yeah,
1: of you. course, yeah.
2: Okay, cool. uh, is a season three episode. One that that a lot of times when people start talking about the the lack of subtlety in Star Trek, this episode comes up. It's "Let That Be Your Last Battlefield." Yeah, um, which folks, if you're if you're like not familiar with TOS, it's the episode where uh, the Enterprise picks up a fugitive who is black on one side of his body and white on the other side and then he is chased by a uh, basically a police officer who is black and white also but the pa- but their their sides are black reversed police, yeah. and you know obviously it's an incredibly obvious strong sledgehammer to the skull allegory for racial uh, for you know for racial tensions and and racism and stuff like that but for all of its lack of subtlety and all of its uh, you know in your facedness people are still talking about that episode 50 years later Mm. and as a you know six seven eight year old however old i was um you know i racism is something that is learned it's not something you're born with i've watched my seven-year-old daughter growing and up until maybe last year when she started going to school skin color wasn't even something she noticed you know she just was like hey there's another kid i want to play with them um so it's you know it's something you've got to learn and I you know I tried you know I'm not racist uh, you know it, uh, okay I don't want to go down the I'm not racist route because we're all racist in some way we all notice the other we all are hardwired to recognize the other and distrust and stuff like that but growing up watching Star Trek has uh, give it, given me the the tools I need to go okay I understand that
0: circumvent it
2: exactly you know i can recognize where these feelings are coming from but they are they are irrelevant to how i behave and i think a big part of it came from watching that episode and as much as people want to want to downplay it you know star trek ran the the gamut from subtle to gross and you know let that be your last battlefield is certainly not in the subtle category but it was an engaging story the the performances were great um and it you know it it got the message across i think far better than like uh a private little war did <laughs> um at least with better hair too uh it just and i think that it you know it took uh it took courage to put a story like that out in you know in
1: 1969 yeah exactly i, I definitely would agree with that. and that's one i've always found very interesting um you know think of any season three episode and that one pretty much comes to mind probably one of the first ones that always comes to mind for me um, as you said it, it, very you know during that time a very said, bold thing to do but that's the thing about Star Trek it's it's always been great at kind of at social commentary and you know you've had obviously even now certain episodes that were made back what 20, 30, 40 years ago and it's still still very relevant today yeah um, you know I think partly what makes kind of Star Trek endure really
0: great writing yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but in a way, I think in a way, really, you could you could say that kind of social social commentary in Star Trek is kind of another defining moment for the franchise, because a lot of you know, um, I think you have said
0: a fair more. We can talk about James. There's a few oh, more in original series we can touch on. Fair even.
1: Oh yeah. go um, back
0: a bit, really.
1: Um, but yeah, all sorts of episodes, as you say, where you know you've got these all kind of these social messages in there, um, and. Yeah, even today, it's still very, very relevant, and I think that's what makes Star Trek still endure. I mean, you've said to me on several occasions, so you know, Simon himself, you know, you said, you know, you try and follow the principles that, that kind of Star Trek has given us, and trying to apply it to your daily life. So I said, you know, you know, being you we're
0: know, all leads back to idic.
1: Yeah, yep. infinite, infinite diversities and infinite combinations, which we first heard about in "Is there in truth no beauty?" That's yep. what. It, yeah. 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 So, in with a way. A
0: good dose of product placement for good measure. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Although, there was. Uh, do you guys listen to The Trek Files, Larry Nemichek's uh, new it's podcast?
0: The things I should be listening to, but <laughs> haven't got around to it yet. Yeah.
1: Same here. Yeah. He's on my list. but <laughs> uh,
2: We didn't. Uh, what 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 I'm talking about is Larry Nemichek, who is, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's one of the. the Dr. Trek. Do- oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he, he's. <laughs> He he was never directly involved with the show, but he has become like the the go to expert on Trek, and uh, um, he's got a new podcast called The Trek Files, where he is he has been given uh, access to Roddenberry's files, and so they're they're going through the files, Rod Roddenberry and him and and the guys from Mission Log, and uh, picking out interesting things that may that may not have been known about at the time, the actual documents from the time. Uh, and it's—I mean—it's a little 15-minute show. He's not doing like an hour-long show every week. It's one little 15-minute thing. So it's a—it's a nice little, interesting but not a, a huge time suck if you want to listen to it. Uh, and recently, he found a memo uh, talking about the idic and the, the the pendant and all of that stuff from 1967, I think. So the idea, Gene was trying to get that into the show far sooner than uh, season free, yeah, yeah. Now he has you know the a lot of the cast most vocally I think was was Nimoy, uh accused Roddenberry of creating the idiot just to have something else to sell um which eh, maybe yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. not not beyond the realm of possibility with mr. Roddenberry, but so what we we like it
0: um i've also like can I bring up one of my my favorite episodes of the original series absolutely not because yeah. it is quite <laughs>
1: yeah
0: can not can i Give it to Jamie, and he'll—I bet he'll be able to guess it instantly.
1: Doomsday machine,
0: doomsday with yeah. um, the metaphor for uh, nuclear weapons and things. Mm-hmm. I've always loved that episode, and I think that's got great meaning behind it as well.
2: It almost made my list. If—if if, uh, you know, I, 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 the only reason it's not on my list is because I was like, "All right, I'm about their series, and we're—we've got to talk to b- about more than just TOS." But—but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I love that episode. Um,
1: oh yeah, and uh, you know, I always. I mean, that's the thing. I think that was one of the things for me. When because when I used to watch, when I used to watch stuff, I always just, I always had to know the whys and wherefores. And that always the mystery had to be solved. I think this is one of the first times I remember watching that, and you'd have no idea where where it's come from. But it didn't matter to me. It's like, oh, it just need to get rid of the thing. Doesn't matter where yeah. it's come from, why it's doing. Just get rid of it. But oh yeah, Doomsday Machine yeah, fantastic episode all the way through. And as Simon said, you know, in terms of social commentary, oh, in abundance, absolutely, yeah, yeah.
2: One, one of my favorite things about that episode is that William Wyndham, who played Bob Decker, um, didn't want to do it. He really? he thought yeah, he it was. I mean, he got the gig, and he was like, "This is stupid. This is silly." Uh, kind of like um, Alec Guinness with Star Wars. Hmm. Uh, if you've ever heard any of the, the stories, you know, Guinness was like, why the hell am I doing this piece of garbage? Um, but Wyndham was such a consummate professional that he gave that amazing performance doing something that he really didn't want to do. He, he was just there for a check and still just nailed the character. And it was the same with Guinness. He was like, I don't like what I'm doing. This is stupid, but I'm a professional and I'm going to give it my best.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you find out a lot about these days. The thing is, that, if that sort of stuff, it doesn't bother me. As long as I played the part well, I'm not fussed. If, if it, for them, it's just a paycheck. That, that's fair enough. As long as I played the part well and it's it's convincing, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Before we move on from TOS, I do, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to throw out one other moment, yeah. Um, yeah, which is my all-time favorite Trek episode of all, all time, of all time, yeah, uh, is Devil in the Dark. Because
1: we have, Yeah, the, you've got to mention now. Oh, yeah.
2: The Horta, uh, you know, the whole setup of the episode is this monster is killing people, which is so standard for 1960s sci-fi TV. Um, but Trick excels, where everyone's ready to kill the thing, and then Kirk comes down with his crew, and he's like, all right, kill the thing. And then Kirk runs into it, and he's like, wait a minute, don't kill the thing. Let's see if we can talk to it. And then it turns out they've been murdering her children and she's just protecting her her race and the thing we think is a ravenous murdering monster because it doesn't look like us uh is actually the sympathetic character in the show and i love that about devil in the dark it's it, you know that's why it's my favorite episode it's just it's it's a, a masterpiece of uh turning your expectations on it on their ear and showing that prejudice and preconceptions are almost always useless.
1: Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. You know, and particularly, you know, because we assume we always make judgments when we first meet someone. We always make preconceptions. As much as we try to kind of be objective and try not to, we, we, it's, 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 it's in our nature. You know, mm-hmm. we, we do it. So that kind of episode, it, it really makes you think, you know, and kind of go, well, hang on, oh, you know, I've done that kind of thing before. And it's, again, it's, it starts doing what's relatable. You know, and and in such a clever way, as you say, you know, you think, oh, this is a monster, but it's it, it's it's a it's, a, it's a parent protecting its, 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 their child or their children. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I, yeah, that's it, That's a that's a, another one as well. So and
2: one thing that frustrates me though about this episode, and it's not the episode, it's fans. How many times have you heard fans complain that Star Trek aliens are just people with something stuck on their foreheads, and then go, oh, but that Hordel just was so stupid, the carpet monster.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I have heard that before but it's, that's the thing though it was the 60s it, it, you know it's, they, they didn't have an endless budget it's like you go with, you work with what you've got and you know again I think I think, I mean I'm not saying I'm not saying everyone is like that but I think sometimes people rely far too much on the special effects or you yeah, know, effects when
0: Voyager had its lizards
1: it did yeah yeah unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, if you tell a, if you tell a good story or, and you've got great characters, that kind of st- doesn't bother me. It's like, eh, I can live, you know, for me, kind of story, concept and story is much more important. Yeah, I think I think effects can enhance and enhance some, I think can enhance it, you know, and it does, it does add to the episode, but it's not the most important thing. So, it's kind of like, you know, but yeah, I, I'll get, I'll get your frustration, Rick, I, I completely understand and agree with it. As you say, it's, yeah. <laughs> I uh, think we've
0: also got a there's a few other ones that I think we should talk about. I think via kind of mission log and what they were saying. I think you could also say uh, Spock's brain with the fact that it's all about um organ transplant.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, that's another one that kind of is again a kind of a misconception. Oh, this is a terrible episode. It's actually got yes, okay, again. It's it's badly done, but there is an idea in there. There is a point to it. Um I think you first pointed
0: that out to me didn't you Si well I kind of did but again it's via Mission Logger I don't yeah. want to take credit for it but it's via Mission Logger yeah <laughs> um,
1: Yeah.
0: and yeah. I also think we've also got a touch point on Sisson Ninja Forever because I think that, again, that's the most well known one if that didn't get screen time at least later on I don't think original series would be as well known as it is without that episode although it's not very Star Trek but without it it <laughs> wouldn't be where it is today I don't know that somehow makes sense but that's reality uh, yeah,
1: I yeah. I I think I think that's also another <laughs> one again. You you talk to again anyone any anyone, again, even non Trek fans, they, they probably would have heard that, that episode name mentioned somewhere. So yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from with that, so yeah.
2: Yeah, I can't argue that. It's it's never been it, you know, it's not in my top ten, uh, but it's certainly not in my bottom ten either. Um I I understand the uh I, I revered uh, it's probably one of the more accessible to non-science fiction fans episodes that was ever made um, but I think that's kind of one of the reasons why it's not you know, I, I like bottle shows I like seeing the equipment and the hardware and the starships, so <laughs> putting an episode in 1930s doesn't work for me that great <laughs> but,
1: no, That's fair enough
2: But the story um, is awesome, you're right yeah.
1: um, Well, I suppose it's not, not an episode that anyone's probably particularly fond of but I'd say The Way to Eden as well that's quite you know it's all about the say, the hippie culture sixties I thought that's that's probably another one as well, just really? that one
2: <laughs> that one's conflicting because you know like if you if you don't mind mentioning mission log again, I hadn't really considered that you know the the mis the message of the way to Eden is the establishment is right, man <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> And I kind of feel weird being on that side of that equation. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think I think it's just it's just the fact that it's just it's it's memorable but for all the wrong reasons kind of thing. It's yeah, always stands out, you know. But again, again, it's Star Trek trying to do social commentary. something that's relevant to that time, and and it was. So yeah, I mean,
0: the side it's, of paradise, spotting yeah. emotions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Or Guinness. should we
0: just pretty much just go Star Trek original series, all of the above this way?
1: <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this, this side of paradise—that's definitely another one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or, <laughs> uh, see, or
0: see previous work, <laughs> Yeah.
2: Or Balance of Terror, where we see that you know just because two people, two captains are enemies and and have to kill each other, they are not. You know, neither side are the ravening evil. Uh, quote unquote bad guys. They're just two, you know, two ships caught in an unfortunate situation.
0: And are testing his ears out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And mock time. Okay, we could just yeah. go yep. on until the end of time with these <laughs> ones. But yeah, two iconic and just defining moments of original series. It,
1: yeah. They. they, they it's there a, a
0: trap we always fall in with original series. It's like. Again, this is why I thought of you immediately, Rick. It's like you know what—that's an easy one where I know we will get content because it's like, or <laughs> <laughs> it's like crawling for uh,
2: animated series where we're going—I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Or is this <laughs> one? It's like anger. Well, I was—you know—I was thinking about the the, the animated series. Okay, the, I have a mock time on my list, um, but <laughs> again, only just barely. Um, mostly because it's so recognizable. Um, you know, a lot of people who who. Don't necessarily know Star Trek, uh, will recognize that music <laughs> and know that Vulcans only do it every seven years. Uh, I
0: think Jamie will realize like, that's how you draw the mings. I think that's how I originally drew Jamie in a bit. It's kind of going, Look, look, this is fun. This is fun. And then they go, Oh, right now, watch that. Oh, watch another one. Mm-hmm. No, this isn't as bad. And then before you know it, they're a fan. That, I yeah. think that's why the defining moments is you go, No, this isn't Star Trek. No, it, it is, but watch it. Oh, I can mm-hmm. watch more of this now. And then they watch you and go, oh actually it's not that bad.
2: But the message of amok time, uh, if you'll pardon it being a little my little pony-ish, is the power <laughs> of friendship. Because you know, Kirk jeopardizes his career to help Spock without even knowing why. Uh, McCoy at you know might one of really my favorite moments
0: raises ever.
2: <laughs> well, one of my favorite moments in the episode is when Spock asks McCoy to come with him uh, for the first time, admitting that McCoy is his friend. And McCoy drops all of the all of the, the the insults and stuff, and just is like I would be honored, sir. And then picks it right up again after you know when they get to Vulcan. But oh, uh, <laughs> it's just that's that that's one of those moments between Spock and McCoy where they they drop the facade, and you see you know you won't see anything something like that again until maybe Immunity Syndrome when uh, Sorry, Spock's you know, out in finally? the Hmm?
0: Falling Web, maybe? Where they're kind of... Kirk's going to go read my last message and you you to get them oh, together. Oh, yeah, yeah. I so, thought, yeah. Maybe, or something like that. Although, this is a bit of a tangent. This is uh, I really have struggled with forever. So ever since we did an episode on it. I can never understand with Operation Annihilate. Why the hell did Spock go into that chamber <laughs> and then suddenly forget he's got double eyelids? <laughs> why would you do yeah. that it's like what's that all about no we're not going to do any testing shove you in a room oh look I've gone blind oh look I've remembered I've got double eyes what what yeah that,
2: okay but...
0: how with, what, with, why
1: with, with with William Shatner a very convincing as Kirk's brother <laughs>
2: hey that moustache man it means made... oh no, god yeah <laughs> I just,
0: just why yes I'm a scientific man let's shove you in a room and oh look I've gone blind So I haven't wear goggles and things what really have you forgotten everything of i don't know last two seasons
1: yeah so in terms of the original series to sum up it's pretty much pretty much every episode is probably something. (laughs) oh dear um next gen measure of a man oh yes oh my god that episode um yeah that man (laughs) magic's uh, oh god, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Um, oh, and
0: some of the deleted scenes. Oh my god, they get even worse. We knew it from on Blu-ray, and the deleted scenes in there. It's like it really wanders into the town forward and they all kind of get their pitchforks out. It's like, oh, yeah,
1: because
0: that's you, a wise you, idea, Bennox. Yeah, that's that's so the I right mean, place yeah, you, to go.
1: You showed me that last year, didn't you? Like, oh my god, it was so frosty. <laughs> god. <laughs> but oh yeah, that episode just Picard speech. Yeah. I mean, what is there more to say? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that episode, you know, even though I've watched it dozens of times, it still kind of takes my breath away. Just it, you know, it,
2: it was the first time, you know, because I okay, uh, full disclosure, when Next Gen was announced, I was one of those. If it's not Kirk's Bach and McCoy, I want nothing to do with it. Um, and then when uh, uh, um, Farpoint uh, Encounter at Farpoint came out, I was like, see, garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and I didn't watch all of the first season. I don't think. Um, that's kind of hard to remember. Nineteen eighty-seven. There's a huge wall of intoxication between now and then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but,
0: um, and I think there's a few episodes in there you'd like to forget. So, you know. oh, boy. oh yeah, yeah. Um, Code <coughs> <God> of Honor. <laughs> a but, defining uh, moment for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Oh, gotcha.
2: Well, it, it, yeah, I suppose you could call it a, a defining moment of what never to ever do again. <laughs> um, but yeah, Measure of a Man, the the You know, season two isn't much better than season one, except for that episode, and there's a couple others I forget offhand that weren't too bad. But Measure of a Man, where the fundamental, the discussion of the fundamental rights of an artificial intelligence—you know—is data a person or is data Um, property—and how unflinchingly they they went into it—and you know, it, it stole a little bit from Court Martial as far as the the prosecuting attorney being an old flame of the captain but so what
1: Roddenberry only had
2: like six ideas that he kept recycling over and over again
1: well originally the idea actually the original idea that Roddenberry had was that Data actually submits to the procedure he doesn't fight it he just submits to the procedure which in a way I kind of get Data's curious etc but just I don't think it would have been half as an interesting episode as what we actually got
2: no no
1: no
0: I think Um, Maddox probably got a a pass after Descent (laughs) <laughs> oh, you want to do the Android, do you like? here's the one you can use <laughs> knock yourself out it's only a pieces of red it's a bit of damage but I'm sure you'll be able to work it out from that have fun
2: or he just gets yeah. a box with, a, with and it says on it remember the movie 7 I don't uh, get
3: oh. it, so. okay, if, it there's
2: a, if he just mailed Lore's head in a box and then, okay. I've never seen 7 either I just know the jokes about <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box uh, which isn't necessarily a bad idea um <laughs> Kidding, folks. Kidding. I'm not advocating killing Gwyneth Paltrow. Just shut her up. Anyway. Um, where were we? Oh, sorry. Measure yeah. of a Man. Me- measure of a Man. Uh, uh, th- and one of the, the most wonderful parts of the episode is at the end when they're having a celebration and Riker is just standing off to the side looking out the window and Data comes up to him and he's like, aren't you going to come to the party? And Riker's like, I don't belong there. I tried to, you know, tried to, to win this against you. And Data points out that, you know, he had no choice. That he had to do it, otherwise Data would have been summarily ruled against. And even though that hurt Riker, it helped Data, and he will always remember. You know, it's it's just, I love those little moments. There's another one like it in um, Tin Man, where it's just Rik- Data and one other person. Looking out.
0: At- I remember
2: Tam... Oh, uh, no. Tam um, Elbrun,
0: Elbrun. That was um, the guy that had the problems in that episode, if that's thinking of.
2: Yes. No, at the end of the episode... Uh, Deanna. Deanna and Data are, are doing the... Uh, looking out the window, talking about what happened. I and
0: I just... It's I love those exactly the voice. same spot as Riker, I think. It's, it's like exactly the same shot, I think. As I well.
1: think so, yeah. Um, well, Star Trek all... uses stuff all the time, doesn't it? So it <laughs> wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me.
2: And it, it's kind of the you-see-Timmy moment, but it's just... You know, data as the observer of humanity uh, getting it, quote unquote. And I just, I love those little moments for some reason.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, data, as you say, kind of, uh, that's the thing, you know, data's journey throughout Next Gen is fantastic because, as you say, he, he learns, he goes along from, from, from every member of the crew, he learns different attributes of humanity. And it's kind of, you know, it, it's quite endearing because data himself always exudes that kind of thing. You know, maybe, again, he, he doesn't show, he doesn't show, um, uh, it's not, he's not emotional, but he, through his actions, I always thought through his actions, he shows that he cares. You know, he might not have, he might not visually show in terms of any facial expressions, but he does, um, you know, through his actions, he does show that. And I think, I think even at one point, he's, he, was, he was saying that, again, his program, you know, he gets, I think he said, I think it was about Tasha, he got, he got used to her, you know, used to yeah. having her around.
2: His so, neural pathways have grown accustomed to your input.
1: That's it, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Data, and Data, most people, but when I first started watching uh, Star Trek, I said Next Gen was the first series it got me into, um, and Data immediately became my favorite, one of my favourite characters. So I immediately kind of latched onto him. So, yeah. Um, God, I mean, there's so many there's so many episodes of Next Gen. That it's, just, <laughs> it's just nowhere to go to Next um, I'd say, I mean, just off the top of my head, Chain of Command. I That's mean,
2: definitely on my list. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there are four nights. <laughs> Again, just for you know, I think. Don't I mean the torture scenes between I said with cards and um. I can never remember the go- I can never. I can remember the actor's name. The Gone. The set. Yeah. No. No. Um, no. Oh. Uh, I can, it's David Warner who plays, yeah. plays Cardassia. I can never, I can remember the actor, but I can never remember the, the character. character. Um, but yeah, those scenes between him and Picard, I mean, just absolutely brilliantly acted. I mean, d- d- the vision, the, the chemistry between them was just unparalleled. It really was just so interesting. Um, and you know, again, it's, it's it's Star Trek at its best. I know that's probably a bit of a bit of a cliche saying that, but I think it's well, no, accurate.
2: it's good. It, and and did you know that David Warner wasn't supposed to be playing that part?
1: Oh really? He wasn't oh. the
2: original actor uh, 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 Madrid Gal Madrid? That's what it was. Oh,
1: that's um, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: The original actor and I forget who it was supposed to be uh, got sick, and so they called David Warner. I think he had like less than a week to prepare, so a lot of his dialogue he was reading off of cue cards.
1: Oh really? Wow. Yeah,
2: and he was still incredible
1: yeah Oof. I mean that's the thing about that's the thing about Star Trek it, you know, it's been gone for so long and it's just so much stuff to discover about it whether you know like backstage behind the scenes things it's like yeah <laughs> you learn something every day didn't you but um yeah I mean I'll say China Command is definitely another one what about you Sire what about you
0: what another one yeah um best of both worlds
1: oh yeah Should <laughs> Straight- <laughs> I I'm go
0: to that next is like yeah. the most obvious
1: Mm, yeah, I don't know what kind of come on came to mind. It just came to my mind. I'm already quite sure why. It just popped into my head. <laughs> um,
2: the, the only reason I didn't put Best of Both Worlds on my um, my list is I was trying to think of things that that had ramifications beyond uh, beyond the the episode. I mean, Best of Both Worlds is certainly a, a fantastic episode. San um, Francisco. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it 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 comes into play later, but I mean, it it's other than kind of giving us a little bit more in, uh, insight into the Borg, uh, I, I don't know that it, it... Well, okay. I guess maybe I should explain where I'm coming from. I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong or anything. <laughs> I was coming at this because, like, when you mentioned the, the, the animated series, I was trying to think about most of the animated series. While well, I loved it. I watched it as a kid. I, you know, And I rewatched it a couple of years ago and really enjoyed it. Um, it is silly and it was certainly made for you know despite what all the writers keep saying it was made for Saturday morning television certainly more highbrow than Sigmund and the Sea Monsters but not much um but Yesteryear is you know is a standout as like most people will say the animated series is not canon except for Yesteryear um which is the one where Spock goes back to to his childhood and saves his own life as his uncle um but that doesn't do anything that doesn't set up anything as far as the structure of Star Trek it just sort of uh, shows you a little bit more of a story that's in Star Trek If, if I'm, am I making any sense what oh, at all yeah, oh,
0: I yeah. know what you mean it, I think in terms of defining I think it's when it became popular with fans I think that's that's the where I'm seeing it from okay yeah maybe not internally in terms of the show but in terms of get drawing fans in that was the key point in next gen's history where it's like ooh You'd better watch this now
2: yeah i remember throwing things at my tv when the to be continued came up <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I can understand what you're saying so i think joan will back me up on this and say that for, for quite a while and i think in some ways i still do i still don't quite get the hype around it in some ways
2: yeah well, well it's it suffers from the first half being incredible and the second half being just okay the the resolution was pretty weak um but that's kind of been the problem with the Borg all along. And one of my problems with Voyager is that the more you use the Borg, the more you have to pull their teeth. Otherwise, it, or the ways of beating them have to become so contrived and so convoluted and such tortured logic that you get Unimatrix Zero.
1: Yeah. Um, that's, <laughs> the pro, that's the problem with the Borg. They just become like any other kind of alien of the week kind of thing. It's like mm-hmm. you know, they lost their edge. I thought of the best of both worlds, that just you know, they just didn't seem as much as big of a s as a threat anymore. I mean don't get me wrong, there are still some fantastic Borg episodes throughout Next Gen D um, Voyager as well. There are some really good Borg episodes in there, but in terms of just looking at them as a whole and the impact that they had, it just kind of I think they just kinda of lost it off the best of both worlds, unfortunately. Yeah. You know. I don't disagree. Yeah.
2: <laughs> may I may I put forth who watches the watchers?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely! Oh, who watches the watchers? I mean, I,
2: I can't think of a better exploration of the Prime Directive actually being used and adhered to. Because yeah, you know it's a running joke all the time, but Picard upheld upheld it to the point of getting an arrow in the chest. <laughs>
1: yeah, and the other thing as well. I mean, there's there's been many episodes about the Prime Directive. Like, so sort of looking at it from different angles, but. And what I loved about Who Watches the Watchers was that it wasn't intentional. It, it just snowballed, yeah. And it just, you know. But it, it, it's a demonstration of why it's so important. Why it's so important that it's there, you know. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes I think, you know, when when captains decide to break it, I, I can understand their reasons. I mean, you know, a good example of that would be Insurrection. That's a great example. Mm-hmm. You know, Picard. Well, well, the fact that said Admiral and Starfleet's already done that. Yeah. Well, you know so but yeah that's yeah I'll definitely agree with you there Rick who watches watches are prime example and, and done so fantastically absolutely just the embodiment of everything that Starfleet is about and said Picard you know upholding it until we said quite in the chest you know <laughs> giving his life give his life for it if needs be
3: yeah
1: you know yeah absolutely um oh my god there's just so many episodes um uh, <laughs> uh pff, what, we haven't i don't think we've already mentioned the inner light yeah
2: that's yeah
1: that's i mean that's oh man god i remember when i first watched that i mean I, I don't know if i've ever i don't know if i've ever actually admitted this actually in an episode <laughs> so i'll probably will get probably get, get probably get a phase of get phased for this but when i first watched it in a light in a light i didn't think much of it at all I
0: no, ha- you never do with those Sony episodes, no, done it with other ones as well, I've gone, what, really? Okay, I want, whatever. I want
1: to, st- I want to um, strongly stress, I never disliked it, but I never loved it. It wasn't until Carla said, come on, Jamie, we watch this through, think about it differently, and oh my god.
0: Yeah. It's you not know. the only one, Jamie, that's, that's what I'm getting at, um, Far yeah, so, the beyond the Stars, Yeah. That's that, probably a couple of other ones where you're going, really, okay. Yeah. On your on, on you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's another, not with me.
1: Yeah, another episode. I again, I think actually, I think that was one I did actively dislike when I first watched <laughs> it. Actually, if, if I do recall, um, again, yes, I know I, I deserve like, like phases, like a bunch of them made, please on stun though. Um, but again, that was you know, when, yeah, but again, now I don't think that anymore. Both episodes absolutely fantastic, some of the finest. Um, some of the finest Trek that has ever been done, you know. Just, I mean, go back to the night, Just the whole thing. Just it's it's it's, it's Star Trek at its, it's I say, I risk myself. Star Trek at it its best because it's just telling a story, a human story. It's not about you know. It's you know, and don't get me wrong. I've got no problem with Star Trek. You know, being heavy in terms of like sci-fi and all that sort of stuff, and you know, techno babble. But when it comes to the simple stories of the heart that's when it's at its
2: best. Absolutely. Uh, and, I, you know, I'll admit I was not thrilled with the episode when I was watching it for the first time because, well, I
1: be you know, because, you know, like,
2: like I said about city on the edge of forever, there were no, you know, for most of the episode, there was no spaceships, no phasers, no mm-hmm. technology. And, but when we finally found out what was going on and the line, 25 minutes yeah. was, it just was like a kick in the stomach and I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, and just the originality of it totally the, blew away anything else.
1: Yeah, and the other thing as well is the, the way they edited it. You could actually believe he'd lived his, his whole lifetime on that planet. It actually felt like that amount of time had actually passed. And it, it, yeah, it's, and, and the other lovely thing as well, it gets brought up again later in the lessons as well. What he went for, because he tells um, Lieutenant Lieutenant Commander Darren about his experience, because he he still has the flu Oh that yeah, he was given. Yeah. Which I thought was, again, a lovely, a lovely little, um, a lovely reference to it as well. So, yeah, I mean, in a light, absolutely. Just hands down. You know, any, any times, you know, me and some talk about episodes we've we watched or ones we love, and that, that one always comes up. It's like one of the first ones always comes up. Um, yeah. I mean, it's – yeah. Drumhead. Oh, yes. Yeah. And
2: yep. that, you know, that, that, uh, and for folks who may not be familiar with the episode, by the by the title, it's the episode where a retired admiral who is now part of the Judge Advocates General uh, comes on board the Enterprise, trying to find there, there's a cons- there, there's a belief that there's a conspiracy within Starfleet, and so she's hunting down conspirators, and this one crewman who has a bit of a dodgy past. Uh, oh, and is hiding something.
0: Rum, uh Romulan Eternal uh, Grandpa. Yeah, and she goes on a good old witch hunt, you know. Yep. And uh,
2: yeah, a wonderful, wonderful performance by Gene Simmons, not of Kiss. <laughs> 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 um, who yeah, apparently mate. she was a huge Star Trek fan and asked to be in the show, so they they put her in that part. Um, oh. And uh, the the the, uh, the the interplay between her and Patrick Stewart is just brilliant. But his speech at the end about
1: oh the first the first chain links yeah the f- yeah. yeah oh oh my god yeah, I mean just yeah I mean I and mean, then that's the thing I mean, me and Tom, we if if you listen to our season four review of of next gen Rick we we, we go I think it was a good good twenty minutes we talked about that episode no yeah that's a a one we're very passionate about just as you say just a cold kind of idea of you know con- seeing conspiracies everywhere and paranoia. And, uh, you know, could it be any more relevant today? Really, just outstanding, outstanding um, episode. You know, and just a,
0: a Simon getting prosecuted for no reason. Who would have thought of that? Just...
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. His name was Simon Tarasius, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but yeah, I mean, one of it's those. pretty
0: mad for no real reason whatsoever.
1: Oh, do you know, I just
0: think... doing the right thing.
1: I think for me, I think. Where she kind of, well, I say, where she stepped over a line, it kind of well before then, but just, I realized just how paranoid she was, or just crazy was when she goes, to Picard, have you completely cut, recovered from your experience with the Borg? I was like, what the heck? You're bringing that up as well? I just,
2: pfft. and I love that that's the moment where he just went, all right, fuck you, lady. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I
0: love it for like, uh, viewers. It's like, do you remember when this happened? Do you remember when that happened? Do you remember when that happened? Yep. And you, and you can imagine all the viewers going, oh, "Well, that was that episode. That was that episode. and That was that episode." <laughs> oh, God. I again, know when that
2: happened. That was one of the rare times when Star Trek was allowed to reference previous stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, exactly. And as, 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 again, I've always I, as, I like I like that storytelling. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't mind a single episodes. So I think they think it's great. But when you've got stuff that happens to characters, particularly, say again, Picard's experience with the Borg as the cutest. That's going to have an effect on it. It's not just a case of, oh, it'll, it'll be fine. But again, they, they continued that family, obviously, which I think is what's mm-hmm. really good. Um, and
2: they met. They they got a lot of pushback from from uh, the, the studio on wanting to do the episode of family because there, there's a great book out there, and I, I highly recommend the audiobook. It's how I listen to it. It's broken up into two parts. It's called the Fifty Year Mission, uh, and it's the history of Star Trek told through quotes and interviews. You know, there's a there's a little bit of, of interstitial uh, connective tissue of a narrative just kind of putting the quotes into context and stuff. But for the most part, it's all interviews with the people that were there making Star Trek. Uh and well, over and l- to get
1: a copy of that. that sounds really interesting. Thank it's, you. It's it's great. I and it's a it,
2: if you like audio, if you like uh audiobooks, Audible has it and it's like twenty five hours of between the two of them, you'll be listening to it for a couple of months, but um, it's well worth it. Uh, but over and over again, you hear about the studio and the and the networks, uh, and then the the, the the companies that were were selling it. Nobody wanted anything serialized because it was all, you know, with television. At least then, I'm not sure what the what the model is like anymore. But at least back then, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and into the 90s, where you made your money was in syndication. Uh, you know, so you had to have, you know, at least uh, you know, a hundred episodes was the perfect number, which is why a lot of them ended after the seventh season because they had the number they needed to release it into syndication and then start making start making money on it.
1: Yeah, do you know that's interesting you bring that up. I, I never actually I never actually thought about why they I mean why they did seven seasons of, I said of next gen DS9 and Voyager, why it was always just seven, why not less or more? But uh, that's, that's quite interesting.
2: Yeah. Nobody wanted to shut next gen down. Uh, but the suits were all like, well, we want to move on and this, we now have enough episodes. So seven's going to be the last year. And then it just sort of, they did the same thing with DS9 and Voyager. And just then sadly enterprise didn't get that far.
1: No, but so it just sort of became the norm really, didn't it? Yeah. Mm.
2: Um, but there were, they were, you know, expressly forbidden to serialize very much more than maybe like one or two, uh, you know the occasional two-parter because there was no guarantee that a the the syndication you know the, the the stations showing it in syndication would show them in order so doing something like family uh or like in the drumhead mentioning things that happened previously uh was really bucking the system and mm. and kind of going well we're gonna do it anyway yeah. hmm. um, and that's also why DS9 uh, really broke the mold and and was a, the, the reason they were able to serialize as much as they did is because DS9 was kind of the redheaded stepchild of Star Trek because, you know, there was an overlap when DS9, DS9, when DS9 started, <laughs> um, TNG was still in production. And so they just sort of shoved a few people over onto DS9 that that they felt they could spare uh, and then, you know, then they were working on movies. And then uh, Rick Berman decided that they wanted to get back to their roots, quote unquote, with Voyager. And so all the best people were being sent over to Voyager and all the intention. So DS9 was, for the most part, ignored by the, by the executives. And so they were able to get away with a lot of stuff that none of the other shows could.
1: Yeah, I mean, I and mean, yeah, good segue on this. I mean, the defining moment of how the series differentiated itself from the others, as you say. The fact that, well, for a start, it's set on a space station. Secondly, you've got much more kind of multiple story arcs and, like, secondary characters, like, over, you know, the amount of. Depth they got, and not Mm. to mention how dark and gritty it it, it was compared to the other treks. I mean, I know uh, this is obviously this whole idea that that it's not pure trek, it's not Roddenberry trek, which is fair enough. I I understand that. Um, But yeah, it was DS9 is kind of the pinnacle of where Star Trek kind of really changed. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, this is just what I think, but kind of boldly, boldly went, you know.
2: I have very mixed feelings about it. Um, at first, and, and you know, I, I sort of learned my lesson a little bit with TNG once I, started, once I learned to love TNG in season three mm. and realized that a lot of my objections were were silly. Um, I was not as vehemently against DS9. Uh, you know, I wasn't thrilled with the idea of it being on a station. Um, and when I heard there was going to be a Ferengi main character, I was like, oh, you have got to be kidding me. Um, <laughs> But I gave the show a chance, and I'm glad I did. It it still is not my favorite. Uh, I don't think it ever will be. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm in the middle of a rewatch with it uh, of it now, going along with Mission Log, and uh, I'm 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 blown away by the performances. the The storytelling is great. The only thing that's missing for me in DS9 is, is a lot of you know a lot of the allegory is gone. Um, DS9 is much more a linear story as opposed to a lot of, you know, m- morals, messages, and meanings, if I can steal their, their catchphrase. Mm. Um, but that being said, uh, like, the first, when I re-watch, was started rewatching episode, I couldn't believe that Duet was a second season episode. Or was it, no, it was a first season episode.
1: Yeah, season one, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because Duet is amazing. Oh. Duet is one of the finest episodes of Star Trek ever, let alone just DS9.
1: Yeah, it's one I've I've always absolutely loved, just for and again that's just for the performances alone for, um, between uh, Nanovis and um, uh, Harry Eulin, I think it is, who plays uh, Marissa.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Fantastic! I mean, just you know, and again, again, it's kind of it's that that thing of. Um, Again it's it's about our preconception. So like you know, some of the think, Oh, all Kardashians are bad. Like when um that bajoran kills marissa at the end, he goes, Oh, he's a Cardassian, that's enough reason and, and and Kira's like, No, it's not. It's like not- Her No
2: It's not is just it Yeah heartbreaking.
1: Mm, mm. No, but I, I understand where you're coming from, Rick. I mean, you know, D S nine it is my favourite track, but you know, because I, I said for me, I, I like, I like the fact it's darker, it's gritty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, you know, you know, me and I mean Simon, Simon's always, always, we're always, and oh god, we will always love and That's all. That's his. That's his favorite track series. And you know, we've we've had several discussions about kind of the two. You know, why we, why why I, why we prefer one over the other. But you know. <clears throat> You know it's fair enough i mean you know the thing the thing i always think of with ds9 though is uh, uh, you know the stuff that that kind of ds9 where it kind of started it wouldn't be there if it wasn't for next gen so if you think about um the marquee um and obviously getting wolf into ds9 and chief o'brien well next gen you know you've got to give next gen credit where it's due
2: oh yeah
1: yeah so, i don't disagree yeah so but yeah i mean ds9 for me i said it, it is I probably will always remain my favorite Trek series, but I, I love all I love all the Star Treks for different
2: reasons.
3: <laughs>
1: you know, I know I know there's going to be some you know, but yeah, I, there's some I prefer more than others. But in every series, I personally believe there's good Trek in there. Oh
2: yeah, yeah. you
1: might have to dig with a couple of the suits a little bit deeper. But, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it's there. So. Hey, Sa- Simon yeah i'm sorry i'm just we've been kind
2: of steamrolling over here <laughs> sorry. yeah
1: yeah what about you so si, for, for ds9 then
0: <clears throat> um i
1: don't quite
0: know i've I gone this far but i think really if you're going to talk about duet i think you have got to talk about in the hands of the prophets i think that's where things started getting interesting
2: is now here here's the problem i have with ds9 is uh here's where i start I i start losing titles yeah
0: well, that's the one after duet where the schools establish a right. new way. Way for uh, no, um, not way you um, Kai win for the first time. Not and she's not Kai win at that point. She's Vedek uh, um, win. Yeah, at that point, and everyone starts trying to get loser. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, the, it's again wings- that science from religion and all that sort of stuff, which is what Star Trek West does brilliantly.
1: Yeah, I think also with DS Nine, I think you know because I think in in previous checks. I don't think religion has been seen as like a bad thing but I think it's kind of no it doesn't
0: exist Jamie it's just original series next gen doesn't exist no uh, that's alien that's alien doesn't doesn't happen any explanation DS9 it's front and and center yeah and any explanation
1: um, and any explanation given kind of I think in the previous series it's kind of oh it's science science, that's it you know we'll we'll respect religion but as you say it's not
0: to be fair DS9 you'd do much better they just went yeah they're wormhoilens <laughs> True. So you know they yeah sure they did a little bit better they got yeah, better as time went on but there'd been it was like yeah they were on pines
1: but but you know I think I think that's where you quite like the episode of destiny isn't it where yeah. you, because obviously you know it's not just at the end Jessica goes well actually I should listen to, I should listen to these prophecies more you know he says to um I'll oh, come remember the last name. but he says oh, tell tell me tell me more you know so yeah
0: but, yeah. It's my favorite phrase, Jamie. Predestination paradox. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, yeah, but,
1: you I'm know, not... I, sorry, Colm, <clears throat> I, I
2: know I, I may it may sound like I am I am uh, dogging on DS Nine, and I'm not. I, I you know I, I love like like you said, I love all Star Trek, uh, just some more than others, and I really appreciate DS DS <laughs> D- <Space> Nine, DS <laughs> yes, uh, D- Nine, even even when it's doing stuff that I don't particularly care for. Although you know, like with all the series. DS9 had some real stinkers in there, I don't oh, know. Yeah. Um <laughs> But uh, God. Um, like my all-time favorite episode—well, maybe not my all-time favorite DS9 episode—but certainly in the top five is in the pale moonlight. Oh and yeah, that is not a nice episode. You know, that's yeah. that's showing Cisco, you know, to, to continue the quote, dancing with the devil in the par- in the pale moonlight, doing the wrong thing for the right reasons, hmm. um, and. The thing, you know, like with the inner light, the thing that makes the episode is the final line. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe it's not. It's the second of the final line. You know, I can live with it. Mm. And that that just because that's that's making it deliberate. That's showing that even through all of this stuff where he seems to be regretting, it did what he needed it to do, and he's and he's 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 going to live with it. Mm. It's also an amazing Garrick episode, and I love Garrick.
1: Oh, Garrick. Oh, my God, yeah. Just, I mean, I've actually... Um, I actually have um, a autograph by Andrew Robinson. I got it, all oh, years ago. This is when me and Son went to London Filming Con- Comic-Con back in it 2009, I think it was. Um, I actually got his autograph. The, the picture I use is the one in um, Our Man Bashir where he's dressed up in a tuxedo, and Garrick's in a tuxedo. <laughs> but, oh, Garrick, oh, yeah. One of... Th- just, yeah, one of the most interesting, wonderfully interesting characters in DS9. Um, the episode, actually, The Wire is one I've always loved him in.
2: Just watched that last night.
1: Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely fantastic episode. And what's really good about that, particularly when you first watched it, he's a secondary character. There's a chance he might not actually make it. It's possible. He, I mean, I know he does, but yeah. just watching it the first time, it's possible he might not make it, but, oh, Garrick, yeah. One of the right. best ds 9
0: yeah <laughs> Rick you're doing a better job keeping up with mission looks than I am <laughs> I'm sorry um, you keep you doing a better job keeping up with mission looks than I am <laughs> Coming back from my holiday, they really screwed me off I'm I'm back at like season one I'm like I'm up to like a, a man alone so I've got a fair way to catch up with them because like uh, Rick saying I'm up to the wire is kind of saying because they just did the marquee so Rick, going. I've just watched mine. It's kind of they're up to this as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so How I? Like, yeah, I'm quite far away behind.
2: Let, let yeah. me let me point out something. That's because I don't have a life. I have a seven year old, which means my day <laughs> ends at seven thirty when she goes to bed.
1: <laughs> um. Also, one other thing I think with DS Nine is kind of its depiction of war. Very very um, interesting. So certain yes. episodes like. Nor the, to the, nor the battle to the strong. I mean, as Simon has that, it's an episode I absolutely love. And from Jake's perspective, so unique. Mm-hmm. So unique. I mean, I know Jake, you know, I know a lot of people think I'm not the best character, but that episode for me, it's that moment where he goes kind of the line between courage and kind of cowardice is a lot thinner than you think. And yeah. there's no, there's no right, there's no, that's the thing about it. And there's no kind of easy answer to it at all it explores it but it doesn't say oh this is the right way this is the wrong way and other episodes like um, The Siege of AR 558 and even It's Only a Paper Moon Nog's Nog losing part of his leg as well yeah just you know I mean yeah and it, 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 it you know because obviously I think Star Trek before you know in episodes, they've always done. Oh, you know, you always hear about these warring factions and all this kind of stuff. Particularly you not know, in next-gen original series. Obviously, for certain reasons, they couldn't obviously go into detail. But when you kind of see it in *Deep Space Nine, you kind of experience it firsthand. Seeing it, it, it really kind of just brings home the really kind of grim and grisly reality of it. You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just another example.
2: Well, that's another one of those wonderful. Uh, fandom disconnects that i hear a lot uh in the last couple of years you know why does discovery have to be all about war 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 oh yeah ds Nine is my favorite series i'm like dude
1: <laughs> exactly you've got the, you got you got the dominion dominion war which stretches over like what oh, to say
2: four seasons whole, three seasons yeah,
1: yeah the whole dominion up from the end of two literally straight through to the end and as the series went on more and more on that so i was like really <laughs> yeah okay Fair enough. I
0: think defining moments are definitely the search and the way of the warrior, I think, because then you get Wolf and you get the Define.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: so. Those are both points. Again, and Odo, if you find it more about Odo, so it's you find it quite a lot in a space of not a lot of time. Mm.
2: Although, I, you know, I don't know if I've ever admitted this on a podcast. <laughs> um, my biggest problem with Deep Space Nine, and it pains me to no end because <laughs> I think Aubergine does a magnificent job... In Odo, the character of Odo and the changelings. I I don't mind the prophets and the magic of the power rates and all that stuff as much as I mind the magical abilities of the changelings to totally ignore mass.
0: <laughs> I think something you managed to get that in last episode as well somehow. I don't know how, but I know it's a serious episode. I think you sneaked that in as well last time as well.
2: It may be I. Uh, Maybe I did. Maybe I have said this before. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I just, you know, it's just for a show that really is so careful to keep things, if not possible, at least plausible. The fact that Odo could become a you know a handbag or a mouse or a bird or a you know a two hundred and fifty pound person or two hundred whatever, it just it just.
0: This is a right. point where you take a page from my father's book, where it's where. I remember this from a few years ago it's like because dad doesn't like science fiction at all so he's what he said was uh, and to quote him well it's all bollocks anyhow
1: so <laughs> yeah there you go that sums so, it up you know it?
0: kind of <laughs> yeah fine. well we'd like to believe in anything it's all uh, bollocks anyhow Simon like, okay right thanks dad we yeah. won't we won't ask you about any of this because we know what response we're going to get Just, <laughs> okay right yeah. fine um yeah. That, that kind of covers up the whole conversation in, oh. in one one sentence. All
2: right, well, if, if you'd like to edit that out, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> oh, I, I, I really suffer from I don't remember what the hell I said on a podcast. I <laughs> just... Seriously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, another episode I would just like to quickly say as well, um, The Magnificent Ferengi.
2: You know, I was going to mention, I um, what's the one... And... I and, uh, Kind of sidetrack yeah I was just. Uh, what's the episode where uh, the female Forta is wants to defect, and so they end up getting, but they end up getting captured by the Gem Hadar, and Quark is there, and they're in the the in the 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 circ, those circular force yeah. field cages, um, and
1: the Gem Hadar. Oh yeah, that's yeah it yeah. is and the Gem Hadar. So, okay, yeah,
2: because Quark gives the speech in there where you know uh, Cisco is just Quark through this Quark, and finally Quark's had enough. And he gives that speech about, you know, how the Ferengi aren't, aren't as bad as humans or they're much better. And all, you know, that right there was the turning point, in my opinion, for Ferengi in Star Trek, where they became an actual race instead of a punchline.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things as well about um, DS9. They actually made them into well-rounded I say characters, but just as, as a species, just overall I mean, yes, I know they kind of still were comedy characters, but you know, I think the fact that they kind of used that to their advantage, given how they were kind of viewed in Next Gen, well, let's just kind of keep them this way. But at the same time, we can develop it. So, yeah, I absolutely, yeah, I do agree. Um, uh,
0: funny, because I found <laughs> found some of the quotes that you're talking about, Rick, on Trek, or, mm-hmm. and it's I love it. Just kind of we're nothing like you. See, we're nothing like you. We're better now. If you'll excuse me, I have to look at uh, look. A lot, I have a lot to pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, um I And yes, the magnificent Ferengi yeah. is a very fun episode. I know a lot yeah. of people give it give it crap, but I love it. I love that Iggy Pop is in it. Um mm. I you know what was one of the most amazing things, and that may be the episode where I realized it. Um, you know, Jeffrey Combs is amazing. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone would, would argue that. But one of the things because my business is you know, I'm in the entertainment business. I, you know, and so I generally tend to recognize actors, no matter what kind of makeup they're wearing, because it's just, it's just, you know, I'm sort of trained for that. I didn't realize until that episode when I, when I saw in the in the the credits, I actually for some reason was actually paying attention to the opening credits, uh, and it said, you know, and Jeffrey Combs as Brunt, and I was like, you have got to be kidding me! I never realized that Combs was Brunt
0: where he did two Ft he did it as Wayun and as Brunt is one F where he did both roles mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: I think it was near end of season 7 wasn't it if I recall
2: I but his, his ability yeah. to so totally disappear into the role of Brunt was so I just it just blew me away because stuff like that I love it when it happens because it's oh, such yeah. a rare thing and mm-hmm. you're like god damn Coombs is amazing
1: <laughs> um should we move on to Voyager Trials Must and we? Tribulations, Trials and oh, Tribulations. God. Oh. Yeah, sorry, I stoke ahead. Yeah, trials and Tribulations, oh god, thank you, Si. <laughs> oh, definitely going to be phased off of this, i tell you. <laughs> yeah, Trials and Tribulations, I mean, crikey. How can I forget that? We did an episode on that, what, last year? Oh, dear. Oh.
2: One yes. of the greatest, most wonderful cop-outs ever... And I wish they'd stuck with it for Star Trek in, in the future. Um, <laughs> they're Klingons, yes, they're Klingons, and we do not speak of it. Because <laughs> I remember when that episode was being was you know when it was advertised, when it was announced and stuff, and we're like, they're finally going to have to deal with this issue. And then they went, No, we're not. <laughs> no. Oh.
0: Still got that weird scene at the end.
1: Uh, well, one of the moments I love is. Um, was when uh, Odo goes, "Oh, well, they tell the story of the of the Great Tribble Hunt."
2: <laughs> the Great Tribble Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you watch the Trouble with Tribbles, now, do you catch yourself looking for them in the background? Yeah. A bit <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I must admit, yeah. But it's just, oh, just so fantastically done. The way they just, oh, yeah. I mean,
0: I still cre- don't like the creepy connotations from Mirror, Mirror, and the f- final scene.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Do you want to explain it sir?
0: Rick, do you know what I'm referring to?
2: You talking about them using the the scene from Mirror Mirror with Marla MacGyver or Marla? Yeah. Mar- Marta. Mar- Marta. Marla. Marla,
1: Marla, Marla. Yeah.
2: Anyway, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the scene they used to put to put Cisco in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it it's it's is. Creepy, A bit it marving, is. really. <laughs> but yeah, you know, two of the great captions, but they had to do it. They had to. <laughs> You yeah,
0: but if you've action. ever seen Mirror Mirror, you sit there and go, well, yeah. What that, yeah, that's I, got totally I wrong connotations going on here. <laughs> I do agree, but yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, if, if they had taken it a little bit further and shown Kirk fan being fan flirty, f- then that you know, would have
0: been. Just... <laughs> uh, what's it called? It's not fanfic, there's a um, dark fan story, isn't there? I don't recall it, but no. <laughs>
1: Uh, moving <laughs> right along. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, trials and, tri- trials and tribulations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's probably many others we could mention. Oh, it's nine, but um, should, I think we've it,
0: done plenty. I think there's, yeah. there's there's some, but I think it's more kind of it. Yes, great, it happened, but not yeah, like uh, defining enough. I think.
1: Hmm. Um, Voyager. Voyager. I mean, not so much. I say I say episode, but. I mean, you know, it's going to get brought up at some point. 7 of 9 coming into into season 4. I mean, Yay. yeah, yeah. I was I was hard pressed
0: stories. <laughs> yeah.
2: I Great. was hard pressed to come up with anything for Voyager cuz I mean, it Voyager's problem. And I, you know, I I watched every episode. I didn't miss one. I didn't hate it while we were is watching its it. It's
0: strange, isn't it? That's the problem with it being flung mid of nowhere. That it's a bit kind of um mm. now what? I don't well, I also,
1: and I'd also say, probably, said the fact is the first female captain as well in, in Star Trek as well.
2: Oh yeah, it? that's that's yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's that. You know, it's funny. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm so used to Janeway that that I'd kind of forgotten that very important aspect of it mm. of the show. Um, we
0: could have said it about um, Cisco as well.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but just, just you know, saying. Voyager, I think <laughs> was. Rick experiment. Berman's biggest mistake.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean... Voyage, you,
0: you used to love Voyage, you know I mean? You used to love it.
1: Yeah, I still, think it's, I still enjoy it, but I must admit it, it, it's frustrating because it had the potential. Because, I mean, it, it, what you're saying, they wanted to go back to... They wanted to go back you know, back to its roots. That, that, that's fine, that's great, but if you've got a series like Deep Space Stone which is taking it in a new, unexpected direction and you go back to... It said, back to where it was before... You're going backwards. Yeah, you know, 1960s television doesn't work in the 1990s, and that's kind of what Voyager unfortunately did. I mean, I've got no, I've got no problem with Voyager. I said going back to its roots in a way, being being what it was. But if you'd had much more of a darker, again, because again, I mean, talks about this before me and Simon have, and we've done it on a couple of episodes, other episodes, the Marquis and Voyager crew members, they got potential there for so much potential for conflict and it was just resolved so quickly. Was yeah. Like, what, what was well, the
2: point? What not so, so much it? resolved as just forgotten. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and you know, Voyager could have caught poor, kind of... poor
0: Lieutenant Kerry. Oh
1: yeah. yeah, Lieutenant Kerry. Yeah. Do you know um, do
0: you...
2: <laughs> I, Yeah, I don't remember who Lieutenant <laughs> Kerry was.
0: The in the Starfleet engineer that got kicked out by a uh, blunt in the third episode. Oh. Yeah. I know solutions. This particular scenario, right? You're chief engineer now, okay?
1: Right. <laughs> right. But you know, Voy- Voyager had the potential to kind of be a good mix of kind of deep space nine and kind of, I think, original next gen. And it just it wasn't. I think that. It, it, yeah. I mean, i don't get it I do think Voyager. I do enjoy Voyager. I think it's this great trek there. But even I must admit, I'm not as kind of uh, rose tinted about it as I used to be. Um, but I
2: think Voyager's two major mistakes which could have been so easily avoided was one, are y'all familiar with the show Gilligan's Island? Nope. Not. Okay. Back in the <laughs> in the sixties, uh, in the US, there was a TV yeah. show called Gilligan's Island, which if you've ever seen Galaxy Quest, you may you've heard it mentioned. Um and it was just a, a very silly sitcom where uh a bunch of people who are they're on this they go out on a boat out of Hawaii for a three hour just little three hour cruise. And hit a storm, and then get washed up on this uh, deserted island. And then there's like six or seven seasons of them trying to get off the island. Um, and it's just silly, and it's it's, you know it's a touchstone of American pop culture. Uh, everyone over here knows about Gilligan's Island. Um, and that, but the thing the main thing about Gilligan's Island was any anytime they found a way to get off the island, you knew it wouldn't work because then the show would be over.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'll And exactly you with this, yeah.
2: And that was the big the big problem I had with Voyager was if they weren't constantly trying to get home, if they had just gone, all right, we are uh, you know, make it a little bit further. Make it we're 150 years at maximum warp from the Federation. So screw it, let's just do our jobs here. Let's explore this area and forget about getting home. I think the show would have been a thousand percent better. And then the other thing was Berman's Garrett Wong say, I've heard Robert Beltran say it. Uh, was the humans aren't allowed to be interesting people tune into star trek to see the aliens so the humans all have to be these cardboard cutout people and we want the aliens to be interesting
1: agreed i mean if you said garrett wang playing harry kim as a prime example i mean garrett wang i mean we um we went to um uh, dst uh was was it Birmingham one side i think he was there wasn't he um, Might be. Yeah. The these days. yeah the one, not, not the most recent one, but the, the first one they did. Um, and guys, hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And I'm sitting there thinking, and, and, the, and I just sat there thinking, what a waste of talent for Voyager. The,
3: oh, amount, yeah.
1: of, the amount of stuff that they, they could have given him. Because I think Garrett Wang, I've got no issue with him. I mean, I think given what he was given, I think he did a reasonably good job he did the best that he could with the terrible writing that he got lumped with yeah but what a waste as in terms of the because that's the thing about harry kim people say he's the most boring character and i agree it's true but in a way, he's the most frustrating because the potential was there there mm-hmm. were moments he has within voyager their, their fleeting grant you, where he had the potential to be so much more and the fact i think i think you might have mentioned this to me side the fact that he was a model officer was a nice touch the fact that he was. Won- I thought was a really nice thing going for him but they just squandered his character so badly and literally throughout the seven seasons he hardly grew at all
2: well I think part of that is that Wang was not at all uh, quiet about his dissatisfaction so the leaving him an ensign for the whole thing was sort of retribution because my Mm. what I've been able to gather through various stories and stuff is that Berman is a vindictive mother person
1: (laughs) 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 fair enough (laughs) But yeah, I mean, yeah, Voyager, as you say, I mean, there, there, I said there are there's a couple of said defining moments. But um, should we talk about Enterprise then? Well,
2: re- real quick, I I did think of one thing that stands out for Voyager that, that I wouldn't that I would like. Well, two things, and it's two characters. Yep. Go. On. Tu- Tuvok, in my opinion, is the best Vulcan since Nimoy, and you know, especially because he's he's full Vulcan. I loved his portrayal uh, of Tuvok. I thought Tim Russ did a marvelous job playing Tuvok, because mm. it is so easy to play a Vulcan as just boring and wooden, Jolene Boylock, Uh, but he didn't do that. <laughs> uh, you know, he was interesting. He was... I, I, I loved how there was one episode <clears throat> where... Excuse me. <coughs> okay, that's better. Um, where he's trying to explain being Vulcan to some Alien or whatever, or somebody on the bridge, and he mentioned he he says M- my people are dispassionate. He doesn't say no that without emotion. He says dispassionate, mm. and that sums up Vulcans so well. Yeah, because um, you know you would see Vul- tu- Tuvok get pissed and and frustrated, and but but he always kept it under so much control. It was he, he really did a great job with the subtext of of Tuvok, and uh, and I, I just I thought that his portrayal of Vulcans. Was a, a defining moment for Voyager, and then the other is the Doctor.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That's all. <laughs> and, you know,
2: thinking
1: back, all you just, huh? Uh,
2: that, that's all I. I I'm, <laughs> I'm. That's all I had to say about Voyager. So the Doctor and his very
0: helpful. Uh,
2: 20. What was it? 20. No, 30th century. 29. 29th, 29th, 29th century.
1: century. Um. Hollow. Uh, ho- hollow, hollow emitter. Uh, no, hollow emitter. Oh God. emitter. Uh, there there. emitter I thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The most
0: yeah. laziest plotline ever.
1: Oh yeah, future's end. Your favourites. Yeah, <laughs> so I can't stand that.
0: Yep, we can't be bothered. It's just going around the streets of Fair for this week. It's just yeah.
2: Well it's better than Rimmer's light be.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, I agree with what, yeah what I was saying. Um, with Tubok, thinking what you're saying, Rick, I actually agree. Yeah, in terms of his kind of betrayal of Tubbs's portrayal of. Tuvok yeah definitely um, I've never really actually given it that much thought before but yeah thinking back on it I completely agree with you thank you <laughs> um, Enterprise
2: <laughs> I like the Andorians I love the portrayal of the Andorians um, I oh, hated yeah. what they did with the Vulcans
1: oh really yeah hmm. I'm, um, I'm going to have to disagree with you there but and do, debate. Oh. <laughs> no I'm honestly quite intrigued what, what is it about for you then
2: they well, okay. They were incredibly emotional and really didn't try to hide it all that much. Uh, and then the whole thing with, with uh Tapau and uh and um Paul's mother and the whole the teachings of Surak were a splinter group. That, I, lo- I like, love. What <laughs> I love the way they found it. That's the bit I
0: love. Oh. So in that prison cell, and it's, like it's just around the corner. You go. <laughs> How did you miss that?
2: Um, I just. It was. The, it was the timeline of that that bothered me because you know Spock always made it sound like the Vulcans threw out their emotions centuries ago, and you know Enterprise is like what 150 years before Next Gen, or you know not even. And uh, oh yeah. And, and and so it just oh. it like made no sense to me.
1: I can kind, of, I can kind of see where you're coming from there, Rick. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it, it's just, I mean, it adds just an interesting dynamic, um, you know. And I think, I mean, maybe I'm not sure, really sure if you can explain. Maybe you kind of explain it as Vulcans have just kind of they're still getting to know humans. I don't know. They, the thing is, they can't understand humanity very well. They don't. Hello. The way in their minds, kind of how how humans act around them, it pushes their buttons. I don't know. I mean, it's that kind of thing, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a bit thin, but I've always found it quite interesting. I must have. I've always kind of, you know, the fact that they are different. Um, and yeah, I think I do what you're saying. So, oh, it's just a radical corner. That was, that was kind of silly, but learning about early Vulcan, I think it was quite fascinating. I must admit, to, to, to use a direct, you know, spot quite. Yeah.
2: Um, I, I, it just, it just, to me, it, it, it wasn't far enough back in time for them to be that emotional, but. Mm. You know, I, I, it was certainly interesting. Mm. Um, you know, and it, it, like you said, it did added, it added, added a dynamic there um, that we hadn't seen before. I'm just not so sure I agreed with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and in particularly if you think um, how kind of emotional Topol got, particularly in the later seasons. I mean, my God. I mean, oh, I know the things know, they
2: did to that poor character.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah. I mean, the fact that they got her addicted to drugs as well. Trill, was it Trillium D? I mean, my God. Yeah. You know, I mean, that bit where she smashes the the, the pad against Archer's desk and goes, I won't let you do it. It's like, okay then, right.
2: Well, and, and the whole thing of, of making mind-melding to be kind of the, the Vulcan equivalent of wanking in public. and <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah,
2: yeah. And then the whole Klingon augment ridges, no ridges thing is...
1: Yeah, I mean that was them trying to kind of explain. Oh, these Klingons—they said they're next general Klingons, so we've got to explain this in some way. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Again, I you know my I think Enterprise's biggest problem was there was too much meddling from above. You know, that's how you get stupid shit like the decontamination chamber.
1: <laughs> yeah, again, the, the problem with Enterprise. I mean, I know they kind of rectified that a bit later. They rectified that a bit later, obviously, with the Zindi twenty-four episode arc and obviously season four as well but you know again going back to kind of episodic kind of television again there's certain advantages to it and I think now and again it's great to have but going back to kind of because originally in season one the original I'm not sure how, how this would have paid paid, uh, paid, uh, paid off but originally the idea for season one that Berman and Bregger had was they would actually stay on earth like in, the Enterprise would stay in Spake for like I think like half a season
2: yeah, I, I read that, and boy, um, would that have sucked.
1: <laughs> probably would have done. I mean, the thing is, though, is Berman and Bragg get a lot of flack for the latest Star Trek series. And I think to some extent, I think it is warranted. But what I've come to kind of understand is, a lot of the time, it was the networks themselves that were coming down on them. And a lot of the stuff they wanted to do, they couldn't do, because they were restrained.
2: Well, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. But where I hold Berman especially to task is... They also never went no, yeah, you know, Roddenberry would fight tooth and nail, and then if he didn't win, he'd sneak it in anyway. Mm. <laughs> Whereas, mm. yeah. uh, you know, Berman would cave at the la- you know at the slightest provocation. Um, and, I don't know, you know, I wasn't there. I wasn't yeah. in the meetings, so <laughs> you know, I, you know I could be very wrong, but it just seemed like the more Star Trek went on, the more Rick Berman became unwilling to take risks.
1: I think that was the thing as well. I think I think he described it himself. You know, when you come to kind of being on Star Trek for was it twenty years at that point, he's kind of franchise fatigued. I think he described it as. Um, and the thing as well, I mean, the Enterprise. You know, it, it, I must admit, I mean, you know, I I've you know I watched it through the first time. I, I was I didn't love it, but I think over the last few years, I think generally Star Trek fans have actually grown. I don't think they love it, but they've grown more fond of it. I think it's like kind of watched it back for. It's like okay. Yeah, it's got problems, but it's not as bad as we thought
2: it was. But yeah, I need to give it a rewatch. I haven't, I, you mm. know, I tried last year, and I only got about four episodes in. Uh, <laughs> not well, not not because I didn't want to watch more. I just other things got in the way. That's um, fair enough. But you know, I watched every episode as it aired, with the exception of the second part of *A Mirror Darkly*, mm. uh, which I've gone back and, and watched. And I am not a fan of the mirror universe, but that was a banging pair of episodes. I really liked
1: it. Oh, yeah. I mean, quickly just saying, going kind of back to DS9, that's one thing DS9 I didn't like, but the the Mirror Universe, they did that far too much. Far too much of that. But yeah. Um, Yeah, so are there kind of any moments we want to kind of say about Enterprise, or...
0: I can't think think of any. Season 3 was defining the original series, uh, for Enterprise.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Is that the Zindi
2: War series?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. see, I didn't didn't like it, so... (laughs) well my problem with the zindi war is you know uh, the problem with prequels in general is if you try to do something that big that we've uh it's it's hard to accept you know i could accept that there there was a war in you know in the early days of the federation that we've never heard of but one that involved such a big race and that like cut us a swath across florida you'd think You'd have thought at some point in in the, f-
1: in the future, three imagine,
2: series, yeah. somebody would have said Zindi.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's one thing. I yeah, I I'll, I'll agree with you on that one, Rick. Yeah, that's kind of it's always been a bit of a, well, you know, that's getting a problem with doing prequels. Yeah, um, but Zindi, I would yeah, I'd say definitely in terms of what Star Trek had not done before, definitely the Zindi. And I, I mean, putting that putting that kind of huge continuity <laughs> error aside, <laughs> I always quite enjoyed the Zindi arc personally. Um. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of his um i suppose i say season four probably you know kind of in a way kind of the the three story arcs that they did three as they did and trying to kind of again trying to fit in next gen um which i know not everyone was probably that fond of <laughs> although i must admit getting brent spiner in was great i must admit him playing um eric soon was brilliant i think he was fantastic in that in that three part um yeah, you know, I think maybe that was
2: the problem. The Sung family was incredibly inbred because they only had yeah. like six genes amongst them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Uh, well, I suppose really that I suppose that just well, there's a couple. Kind of, in discovery there's only been one season, so I'm not really quite sure if there's any. Um, I,
2: I think there is uh, at least one. Um, I mean, yeah, we're we're about you know, the the whole first season was about the Klingon Wars, so mm. uh, it's going to be. Different than what we've seen, but there's the one moment, and I think it's in the last episode. It, it kind of all blurs together because it is all one long story, but where they have the capability to destroy Kronos, and Michael Burnham confronts uh, Admiral Cart. Oh, damn it! What's her name? Uh.
1: Um. Oh, um. Oh, what's her name? Admiral. Um
2: and I love her. I love the character so much, and I can't think of her name.
1: Yeah, I know, I know you mean it. <laughs> I can't... Oh, Admiral... Um, oh, Corn-
2: Cornwell?
1: Cornwell, that's it. Cornwell, Cornwell yeah, Corn- Cornwell.
2: Cornwell, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I wanted to say Cartwright, and that's like a totally <laughs> different character. Um, uh, and she, you know, and Cornwell's just like on her last nerve, and she's like, this is this is the only way we can do this, and, and Burnham just lets her have it with the this is not who we are you know what's the point in saving the federation if this is what how how, you know what we have to do it the only thing we've got left are Mm -hmm. our our morals and our our ideals and our beliefs and that was such a powerful moment Um, i love discovery you know i've got a a few quibbles here and there but overall i really love discovery but that to me was the really the most star trek moment of the show
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean discovery i think it I mean you know again I think me and Simon have said we, we, we're we kind of the same we think it's really great but we've kind of think we've got issues with, I mean particularly that last episode I mean
2: yeah it didn't end well uh, it
1: was It was inc- the problem that I had with Disco- the problem with Discovery was there wasn't enough episodes in season one yeah um, now, obviously, I understand they weren't quite sure how how the Star- new Star Trek series was going to do, so they only had to they wanted to do only a certain amount of episodes. But I wish they'd taken that risk, because I think if they'd just given it, even just two or three more episodes, I think it would have made the storytelling so much better, because it just felt incredibly rushed.
2: Well, and also if they hadn't spent four whole episodes out of ten in the freaking Mirror Universe, <laughs> yeah,
1: but yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah, but definitely looking forward to season two. Absolutely looking forward to First see
2: tomorrow.
3: It.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll definitely be watching that on Netflix with my dad because I'm going up to I'm going up to London tomorrow to see him uh, for the weekend. No, not tomorrow. Sorry, Friday.
2: <laughs> yeah, you guys get it on Friday.
1: Yeah, Friday. Biggie pardon. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And um, what about you, si? I need to find Any moments for you in in Discovery?
0: Um. Well, Star Trek coming back on TV. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's yeah. <laughs> <That's laughs> a bit broader,
1: but no. No, kind no, of absolutely.
0: in what 2005 it ended with Enterprise before it mm-hmm. came back last year of Discovery I think that's pretty defining you know kind of
1: yeah and also obviously I know I, we haven't touched upon it but obviously the Kelvin timeline films as well Star Trek coming back obviously not as a TV series but just coming back
0: back in 2009 yeah yeah and even with I think the original series films there's a few that there's a few things with that I think you could say um, the fact with Star Trek six it's the um, metaphor for the fall of uh, Berlin Wall and things. Yeah. Chernobyl and things and stuff like yeah. that. Mm.
2: As pace. tortured as that metaphor was.
0: <laughs> I think that's quite prominent for me because I watched the film probably a week ago something like that. So it's quite prominent in my mind.
1: With the car park?
0: The car park, yeah. <laughs>
1: Extended version. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and that, Again, that's Admiral Cartwright in there. And, yeah. And, um, uh, um the girl that plays Odo as well.
2: Yep. Yeah. Being shot yeah. Yeah. I'm kinda Johnson. glad that whole segment did not make it into the, the final cut.
0: <laughs> I like the car park. I like seeing a bit of a car park in a film for no,
2: apparent reason. no reason. Well, I okay. I just mean the the whole conspiracy aspect of it. Ah, Fair enough. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So are there any other moments that we can think of? I mean,
0: probably I think we've they're... done plenty. I think we've done quite a lot. Of <laughs> Well, and I think we've done most of them. If not. I was going to say if we haven't done all of them, but I don't think we've done all of them, but I think we've done a good percentage of all of it. Mm. I think, and I think mm. it definitely makes up for animated. I think it definitely makes up for that after the, <laughs> the yeah. that show. I think. I think that's like whew, that's that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think uh, just so. Yeah. So any other? Yeah. So um, are we all happy then?
2: I'm ecstatic. Yeah. I've had a great time. Thank you again for having me on.
1: (laughs) So with that, where where can people find you?
2: Uh, Right now, things are in a bit of a state of flux. Uh, I'm still on the the Simply Syndicated Movie Quiz, and you can find me uh, various places on the Cosmic Potato podcasting network. Uh, where we do the, 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 the Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, uh, and also Captain Game Show, which is a lot of fun. Um, but I am in the works to create my own network, actually, which will be called the Infinite Diversity Podcasting Network, uh, which hopefully I will have up and running sometime in the next month or so. Uh, so when, uh, when that's uh, a, a thing to check out, I will let you guys know where to check it out. Sounds good.
0: Sounds good to me. And we'll put as many things in as we can with links and whatnot.
2: Yay. And what that will with... be the new home of Starbase 66. Uh, I'll, I'm toying with it being called Starbase the Next Generation. So, <laughs> oh, Rick, keep me posted. I will indeed.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think that ends our, our nev- another episode of the Engaged Podcast. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you so much again for coming on, Rick. Rick Thanks, we really, Rick. really Thanks, do I, appreciate it. And I had again. a great time so do we absolutely and yeah we'll have to said we'll have to get you on again for another episode <laughs> soon <laughs>
2: anytime you want just let me know i i will come and talk trek until i can't breathe anymore
1: <laughs> enjoyed listening guys Peace. and we'll be back again bye bye bye